Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. Welcome to Masterclass Theology. I am Big Rev, and like last week, I've got a special guest with me today, my dear friend, the edgy elder himself. Terry, how's it going? I'm doing well, Joel. How are you? I'm just dandy. And this week, uh, well, last week, if you missed last week's episode, I highly recommend you go back and listen to our conversation on the character Job. And it was so much fun to do. Those of you who have listened have commented that 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 the edgy elder and I have just great chemistry, and we sure do. And we just we're, we're dear friends, and it's just a fun conversation. And and so today we're going to be well, we're, where are we going to be at, Terry? We're going to talk about the Apostle Paul. All right. Well, Terry, let me open us up in a word of prayer, All right. and then we'll journey forth. God, thank you so much for this conversation, for your word that we can open up and study. And we're so grateful, Lord, that you're a faithful God to us. And we just, I'm so thankful for my friend, Terry. And uh, we're, we're all so excited where he's going to lead us today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Terry, the floor is yours. Okay, Joel. Well, you know, uh, in the year 2000, two friends and I went to hear a speech given by R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul of, uh, from Orlando, Florida, Ligonier Ministries. And uh, it changed my theology forever. And uh, he pointed me to the Apostle Paul, and he made me angry because he was talking about the reason people are, uh, are saved. Now, back then I was in food distribution, and there were 15 of us loading our trucks in the morning. And two of us are Christians, and 13 were not. And I thought, well, the reason we two were Christians was because we were more spiritual or more intelligent, and we chose wisely, and they didn't. I see. And, and that's what I, you know, and that's what I, and Sproul, when I went to see Sproul, he said, that wasn't true, Terry. He didn't use my name, but I suspect he was speaking to me, and it made me angry. Wow. <laughs> because I thought it was me that, uh, that turned to Christ, and those others didn't, and uh, they'll be lost and I'll be saved. You were expecting an attaboy. <laughs> yes, I was, yeah. And, and, you know, in sermons, many sermons, I, I got a lot of attaboys, but I didn't back then. <laughs> and he angered me. <laughs> but I stayed, and I listened to his, his complete presentation, and he talked about the Apostle Paul, and he turned me towards Romans, the book of Romans, which uh, had a a profound effect on my theological thinking. Mm. He uh, he turned turned my attention to Romans chapter nine. Oh, I hear that's a controversial chapter, Terry. Yeah, it is. Well, you know, he, and Sproul is right. He was very uh, famous on uh, holding to election and predestination. Oh no, those words. Terry. Yeah, nobody likes that. Uh, but Sproul did, and I didn't like it until I I listened to him. <clears throat> but I I was mad at him for maybe a day or two afterwards until I went read Romans and I thought, you know what, maybe he's right. So podcast listener, you heard predestination and election. Please stay on the podcast. Don't leave right now. I promise it's going to be good. So, so I went back to Romans chapter 9 and uh, Paul writes this in verses uh, 6 through 13. Let me see if I can find that here. Uh, 
Now hear the word of the Lord. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham, because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are considered his offspring. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year I will return, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had re- conceived children by one man, one forefather, Isaac, to, though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, mm. she was told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Wow. They weren't even born yet. And God said that this is how it's going to be. The the uh, older will serve the younger, and Jacob I've loved, and Esau I've hated. And they weren't even born yet. So why is that important? It's important because God is driving this one. Jacob or Esau neither had no choice in this one because they weren't even born yet. You don't make choices when you're not born. Right? So it's not like God saw that, or God saw the two kids as they grew up and one was a rascal and one was not, and says, well, I like that one, I don't like that one. God did this all before they were even born. That's right. And as you look through the, the history of these two, they were both rascals. <laughs> In fact, I think Jacob was more of a rascal than Esau. <laughs> so then, uh, so Paul goes on, he says, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? It seems like there is. It seems like it's not fair, doesn't it? Wow. But by no means. For he says to Moses... I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose have I raised you up, that I might show my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then, he has mercy on whoever he wills, and hardens whoever he wills. So those scriptures indicate that God is driving this. And so when I was loading my truck with these heathens, it wasn't me that made the choice. It was God who was driving all of this. He does it in the life of Jacob and Esau, and he does it in our lives too. And Romans 9 speaks of this. And of course, uh, Paul anticipates the argument. So he says, you will say then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? <laughs> what will is molded say to the molder, Why have you made me thus? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of one the same lump one vessel for honor, honorability and the other for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath, had to make known his power has endured willed, wild, much with much patience, vessels of wrath, prepared for for destruction, in order to make known the riches of his glory for the vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Wow! Even even us, whom he has called, not from 
the Jews only, but also the Gentiles. He indeed says this. Wow. So God has he God's the potter and we're the clay. So here you were on those loading docks, yeah, celebrating the fact that you chose rightly and mm-hmm. others did not choose rightly. That's right. And in fact, was it about you choosing rightly? No, it was all it was about all of us being clay. And God <laughs> made made each one according to his will. Not according to our will or or according to our behavior, but according to the will of God. So it looks like Romans 9 is telling us that God is the one who is choosing, or to use Paul's terms, electing. Absolutely. God is the one electing, and it's, I guess the question would become to any of our listeners is, well, can you out-choose God? And I don't think Paul would allow that, would he? Not at all, not at all. (laughs) God has to choose. God is the, the, the... Main message of this, in fact, I'm finding after uh, Sproul woke me up from my long uh, slumber, he convinced me that God is driving. Mm. I'm not driving. The president of the United States is not driving. It doesn't matter who's president. And, you know, I'm interested in politics, and it matters to me, but not to God. He's driving, and he knows where we're going. Mm. It almost sounds like, Terry, God has chosen... um, some to be, uh, well, let's use Paul's terms, predestined for glory, yeah. and others to predestined to not glory. H- how does that work? It almost sounds like God, <laughs> God's making a choice there of some going this way and some going that way. He is. And uh, does that, uh, some might call that like a double predestination. How? how <laughs> <laughs> well, we can, we've gone into this discussion before double predestination. But the fact of the matter is, you know, God chose Moses and he did not choose Pharaoh. Mm. He chose Israel, and he did not choose Assyria, because God is choosing from the menu. It's like when we go to a restaurant. You know, we talked about this in predestination versus double predestination. When we go to the restaurant and I decide beforehand that I'm going to have the spaghetti, I tell the waiter I'll have the spaghetti. But I don't tell him I won't have the chili, I won't have the salmon, I won't have the macaroni, (laughs) Because that's all. It's that's double predestination. You don't. I, you don't have to go through the whole menu. No, he knows that I'm going to have the one and not the others. <laughs> you don't ask him for a wine list and say, "There's a whole new list of things I will not have." That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So it? I'll have the meatloaf, but I will not be having. <laughs> that's hilarious. But this really woke me up, and it really has given me a lot of comfort, because uh, it's given me a measure of tremendous peace to know that I'm not driving, mm. that I'm not in charge. You know, it's, a, it's like the Calvinistic uh, word tulip. Total depravity, Paul talks about this here. We're all depraved, totally. None of us are worth the powder to, to blow us to, the, the, to H- Hades. Hades, yeah. to Hades. <laughs> Total depravity and uh, unconditional election means... <laughs> There's no conditions for this. It's not what I do or what I might not do. It's God choosing. And that's what he means there before they were even born. Yeah. Because there's no conditions there. It's unconditional election. Well, there is a condition. The condition is God's choice. Right. And then, of course, then there's the L in TULIP, limited atonement, which means Christ died for a certain amount of people, the people who are elected, and not the others. It gives us great comfort because now because of limited atonement... 
I can say Jesus died for me. That's right. That's right. And if if it's unlimited atonement, it's that Jesus died for whoever. We don't know yet. Mm. Well, God knew from the beginning. Yeah. Limited atonement. And then irresistible grace. Well, with Jacob and Esau, they're not going to resist. Jacob's going to choose wisely, although he was a rascal, and Esau is not. And that's uh, irresistible grace. And then finally, uh, the preservation of the saints, which is a tremendous verse, which is one, when I was in nursing home ministry with a friend of mine for, for several years, we always finished with this. You taught us about Florence of Arabia last time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She was one of my friends. Florence Kahn. She was about 90 years old. And, you know, I knew her for seven years. And I, I spoke to her. And we had a lot of fun together. And she was she was caught up in the fact that she, she was stuck there. And I said, well, Florence, you're not stuck here. You're not winding up here. We're heading to the New Jerusalem. You know, and this earth, we wind up somewhere. But we're heading to the New Jerusalem, the New Kingdom. Had God preserved her? I I hope so. I hope, but that's up to God. It's not up to me. Amen. But anyway, whenever we we went to that nursing home, I would always finish my uh, my sermon with this: Romans, chapter eight, thirty-seven through thirty-nine. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us, uh, us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's preservation of the saints. So we're preserved. We're predestined, we're elected, we're atoned for, and we're, we're preserved. And I like that. That settles, settles it for me. You know, and some people might argue, well, you know what, Terry? Then you're just a puppet. You know, God made you, and this is what you're going to do. And I said, you know what? That ain't bad. I would rather be that than uh, than leave it up to me, because sometimes I make bad choices. Right. I mean, I love you, Terry, but I don't want to. I don't want to worship a God that is dependent upon you in any way. <laughs> Absolutely. My wife will give you a hearty amen to that. <laughs> I, I I thought about this the other day. My I was looking at the two options of God either being all powerful or God waiting for me to decide. Yeah. And I think I would rather I would rather worship and follow a God who is a tyrant mm-hmm. and who makes all the decisions than the God who's a weakling and can't make any decision. That's right. You don't you don't want a God who's who's uh roaming through the halls of heaven hoping for the best. Mop, That's not God. Mopping his brow and wondering is Eve gonna eat the apple or not? <laughs> I just don't right. know. You That's know? right. God doesn't hope for the best. He knows What's going to happen? In fact, he, he's the causal agent mm. of things. And I like that. Yeah, it sounds like God has a plan A, never a plan B. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, you, can't, you can't imagine God watching Adam and Eve and saying, boy, I hope Adam and Eve behave themselves. He knows whether they're going to or not. <laughs> and, you know, when, when Lucifer fell, he, he knew before he created the angels that there would be a, they would fall, that a third of them would fall. He knew that. And yet he still created them. And he knew there would be a, a, a fall in the, in the lives of men. But he still created them. So go back to the loading docks now, Terry. Were you comforted by Romans 9? Absolutely. Because so many Absolutely. people read Romans 9 and they begin to pull their hair out. and they're Well, wondering. that's what I started to do. Okay. I started to do that. But then I, 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 I thought, well, maybe I, I, bought, I better think about this. Because Sproul had more uh, seniority than me. <laughs> 
and uh, he, his presentation was really good. In fact, he, he became my favorite theologian over the years. He's, he's gone on before now, but uh, he was a great guy, a great guy. And he really opened my eyes. Well, actually, God opened my eyes. It wasn't Sproul, because God is driving. That's right. Yeah, so it's not his fault. But it's been, uh, in fact, uh, I'd like to go to, to one more scripture here, which really uh, moved me, and that's Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, wow. Now, this one really seals it. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. The Apostle Paul is speaking here. So we're still with Paul. Yeah, yeah. We All are. right, good. Okay. okay, now hear the word of the Lord. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you were once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, mm. the two most important words in this scripture, but God. You might say... He interrupts this. May, maybe maybe with the exception of Jesus Christ, maybe the two side-to-side best words in a row in the Bible. Yeah, but God. But right? God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead... We were dead. We weren't sick. We were dead in trespasses. Wow. Made us alive together with Christ. It wasn't me. He, you know, dead persons don't have to cooperate with God if he's going to make you alive because you're dead. Your cooperation wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be uh, <laughs> uh, necessary at all because dead people can't cooperate. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of the grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, through him, through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that you may not boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance that we should walk in them. Wow. So God is driving it. So that gives me a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of comfort. I sleep easy now. Although I wasn't sleeping uneasily before that, but this gives me a lot of peace. That, this tells us, Terry, that when God shows grace, it is always towards the undeserved because I can't earn it. I can't possibly deserve it. I, it's not like it's not like my life is some kind of cosmic scale where my good deeds are outweighing my bad. Right. No, my good deeds will never be enough. And the the moment that they that I think that I can earn God's grace, it's no longer God's grace. So then I'm, I can't earn the salvation. That's right. So God That's has right. to do the choosing, and then God yeah. has to do the saving, and it's all That's on God. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, it, it completely dependent upon God. And, and Terry, with, with this chapter, this chapter grew me up in my theology. I, chapter it, 9? No, Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, yeah, this okay. was, I kind of came into the chapter a little bit more on the Arminian free will kind of side. Okay. But then I'm realizing, and you, you, and my, my, my friendship with you has helped me with this, because you, 
anytime we talk about predestination or free will, you always go to Romans 9 and always go to Ephesians 2. And I thought about a hospital. And one of my favorite analogies with this is a hospital. Some people think that I'm in the ICU, the intensive care unit, yeah. and I'm just about dead. Yeah. My sins have almost finished me off. But I have hope because I can take my medicine. I've got some doctors to care for me, and I got to do my part, and they got to do their part, yeah. and then I'll be safe. I would say that's more like a classic Arminian standpoint. Mm -hmm. I got things I got to do, and God has things he, only He can do. That's typical thinking. Yeah, and so I'm in the ICU in my sins, and that that would be like, okay, yeah, you're not completely a lost cause, but you know what? You got some work to do, but you know what? There's hope. Get mm -hmm. on it. Yeah. But but this, I mean. This does describe that we are in the hospital. We're just 15 floors down. <laughs> yeah, in the morgue. <laughs> Most hospitals have a morgue. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so, I'm, I, and in the morgue, you, you have no hope. You're, you're dead. You, you, you're, you, you, I mean, I hate to be graphic, old listener, but usually in the morgue, you're in some kind of a drawer with a tag on your toe, and they mm -hmm. pull you out, and they mm -hmm. identify your body, or you just, you're dead at that point. Mm -hmm. And it, I know it's, it sounds morbid, but it's just the way it is. The image here is you're not, on, you're not in the ICU almost dead in your sins, you're dead. Absolutely. No hope at all. That's right. So if any of you are thinking, well, I, I made the choice, not God, well, then Ephesians 2 is not your friend anymore. That's right. I mean, and your argument is now with, with God and with Paul because you were dead in your sins. You, you were, I like to say, you were a crispy critter. You're done. I mean, you're, you were, this is, you're in the morgue. You are, you are, this is like Ezekiel on those dry bones. The dry bones aren't going to get up and do anything. What until, a great chapter that is in Ezekiel, and, isn't it? The value God, of the dry bones. Right? I mean, unless God, unless there's that but God. I mean, Terry, I'm not a tattoo guy, but if I was a tattoo guy, but God is somewhere on my body. Because those two words have redefined everything. That's right. I'm just saying, yeah. this right there is, I would encourage you, listener, be like me in this. This grew me up. This turned me into a reformed theologian to start thinking more Calvinistically. Like, oh my goodness. That anytime someone's saying free will, well, in the morgue, you have no free will. There's none. Mm -hmm. There's no hope. There, you, you, you were dead. And yeah. God looked at that dead you, dead because you were following Satan and the prince of the air, the, the, the deeds of the flesh, how he describes it. That, that was you. And God looked at that and said, here, here's my grace. And the, at, the, at the end of the day, this is the point. Mm. Most people would say, well, it's 99% God and 1% me. But the fact of the matter is, if the 1% me doesn't respond, you're lost. You're lost. So, and it's all up to me. And if it was up to me, I'm through. And I don't want to worship the God of the 99 and of the one of Terry. No, no. And no I would expect I. you not to worship the God of the 99 and one of Joel. Yeah. Because yeah. that means that God's dependent upon me. And we don't want that. At no point is that, uh, this yeah. is great stuff, Terry. It is great. I love this. There's nothing better than Ephesians chapter 2. It took... To, that, that, that is, to me, maybe the most powerful chapter of the entire Bible. And it grew me up in my theology. I, I, these are big boy theology. When did that wake you up, that but God in Ephesians 2? I would say probably, knowing you, Terry, probably in the early days. During, of, our, during yeah, our conversations? I would say in the early days of our conversation. I mean, I, I came in, I left seminary. I would say this line. I, I think this goes back to maybe John Wesley or something. They would say, well, you got to understand... Yeah, they gave me an exit interview, and they said, Joel, you know, you need to know, as you interview at churches, you need to know where you stand on things, because they're going to ask you, where do you stand on the free destination, free will argument? I said, and I was kind of hedging my bets. I said, well, and I think I think this goes back to John Wesley, don't quote me, but basically, do it all like it depends, or do it all like it depends upon you, but, but, but trust that it all depends on God, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And in the middle, there's going to be a balance somewhere. Or yeah. like a... 
work it like it depends on you than pray like it all depends on God. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And that's, I never was really satisfied with that, but I also was kind of a coward and didn't want to have the conversation. Sure. And talking with you, you kind of cemented this for me. And you were like, no, Ephesians 2, what are you going to do with that? I'm like, oh, that's a good point. What am I going to do with that? That pretty much describes it all. So I would say my growth as a, as, as someone who studies theology, well, let's be bold. I'll be a theologian. You know, that's, we talked about that last week. Everyone's a theologian. Mm-hmm. Job's a theologian. Mm-hmm. God exists and I'm not God. Well, there you go. Steps yeah. one and two. Now, yeah. now you're studying theology. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, you, you helped me grow up in this. You And so, Terry, you ended last week with you increased me, Joel. Well, regarding this, you increased me. You, you helped me to understand this. And I'm grateful for that. It wasn't me, Joel. It was God. God had that but plan. But God increased you. But God. Amen. You know, Sproul talked about this too. You know, he said he had problems with it too. He was a very intelligent guy and he was Armenian. And there was a, a, a professor named John Gerstner. And Sproul listened to him when he was in seminary. And he couldn't stand the guy mm. because he was talking Reformed theology and predestination and election. And Sproul couldn't stand it. But he was driven to Romans chapter 9. And uh, and then on his desk, after he listened to Gerster, he wrote a little note to himself. You are commissioned to preach the word of God, mm. whatever it says, not what you like, but what the word of God says, because he didn't like it. And then as time went on, he grew to love it. And he loved it as much as any of the other words in the scripture. I mean, it's very comforting because I know I have times in my life, seasons of my life, of the, where I was a hypocrite. Where I was like, I don't know, why, why would God continue with me? Why would God put up with me? Why doesn't he just, you know, smite me and be done with it? And I, Absolutely. I mean, and no, but I was chosen. I mean, this is something where, and I like even one chapter before, it talks about before the creation of the world. In this yeah. Ephesians 1, you were chosen. So, okay, so God has already made this choice. That's right. So if God can choose Jacob and Esau before they were even born, God certainly can choose someone like me. And, and and God knows we God God understands you know what I'm gonna do and not do and so God still chosen me God has I I was dead in my mm-hmm. sin so at some point yeah. that hit I hit that theological rock bottom and it, God then breathed life He gave me His grace and by that very grace I'm saved you know I'm not God because if but if I were I wouldn't be crazy about the roster that I'm dealing with <laughs> <laughs> because they're all sinners. Amen. They're all depraved. But I'm going to save some, God said. And he does. And he is. And praise God that uh, we can be numbered among those who are saved. And he doesn't have to tell the waiter he's not going to have the spaghetti. No, no. He's chosen the meatloaf, and it's assumed items 2 through 99 on the menu he will not be ordering. That's right. Right. I've had moments like that. On a, uh, it blew my mind. I was on a cruise ship, and they handed out a menu, and they said, you can order anything you want, and as much of that thing as you want. If you want to order three dinners, order three dinners. And so a couple times I did. <laughs> I said, I'll, I'll have the fettuccine, and I'll get, bring me the steak, and you know what, you got lobster. You know, I'll order all three. And, uh, but that's not God. God is no. he's, he's choosing, and he's, he's, he's choosing one and, and therefore not choosing others. And that's God's business, and we have no part in that, because it, otherwise it would not be grace anymore. I used to work for a very generous company, and they used to take us out to dinner every two months or so, and we could order whatever we wanted. And I remember I'd sit next to a name, a guy named Bob Silka, and he would order two dinners, sometimes two and a half dinners. And I remember one time we were eating, and he stood up. I said, why, why are you standing up? He said, I ate too much, and I got to get the food to digest a little faster because mm. eating too much. We don't want to eat too much. 
All we need is the one dinner, and that's the dinner that's got, that God provides for us. It almost sounds like Romans 9 and Ephesians 2, though, though I, I get how they could be controversial to some, they're actually quite comforting. Absolutely. Because I'm sure we have some listeners that some of our listeners have, have family members that they've been praying for and, and maybe they've shared the gospel with and they've yeah. just been rejected or they've been told to pound sand or don't bring this up again or, you know, I'm going to go to hell and see all my friends. or And and I know there's some moms and grandmas out there on their knees pleading and begging for their grandchildren. And 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 what do we do with that? What, what hope do they have when... Uh, yeah, is it is it about are are those are are those kids those prodigals that they're praying for are are they forever lost because it's of their decision? I mean, do, do does Romans nine and Ephesians two give those people hope? It, because even though they've rejected the gospel again and again, I think the, the profound thing about this is is this that God has chosen and elected and predestined people, mm. but God also has allowed us to participate in this. You're not making the final choice, but you are participating in this. So that's why we pray for them, and that's why we preach, because it causes us to be a par- our participant in the choosing that God has made. It's as if you're saying, Terry, that we don't know who God has elected. We just know God has elected. That's right. So we keep giving the gospel. So right. so keep praying for your prodigal. Keep praying. Keep keep keep. Stay on your knees praying for that one that, and and their faith. We don't know. They might still be predestined to. We just don't know that. God says, "I have chosen, but I expect you to participate in this." I mean, Moses was how old when when he had the burning bush? I mean, he was forty years here, forty years there. Yeah. For I mean, it, I mean, my goodness, you got God. God is at work, and we trust that God is at work. And keep praying, keep keep sharing the gospel. We don't know who God has elected, Absolutely. who God has predestined, yeah. because that's not our business. That's God's business. That's right. And we trust God to handle His business. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, what else do you have for us, Terry? That's it. So Romans nine, and and Romans and Ephesians two. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, there's there's some more theology in it. In Romans chapter one, I th- it, I thought is very interesting, especially what's going on in the uh, our culture today. Mm. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and on, he says this. Now hear the word of God. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from him through for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Amen. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain for them, because God has shown it to them. For his, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and diverse nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made for they were for they are without excuse wow. for although they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their in their thinking 
and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became foolish and exchanged the glory of the nature of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and and animals and uh, other things. Therefore, God gave them up to their lusts of their hearts in impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies uh, among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God and worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the penalty for their error. And since they did not see it fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, uh, imitators of evil, disobedient to appearance, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless, though they know God and his decrees that they those who practice such things deserve to die. They, are not, only, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Mm, quite a list there, Terry. Yeah, it is. So there's, the fact of the matter is, Paul, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, there's no excuse not to believe in God because of creation. Mm. God speaks to people not only through his written word, which is not exposed to everybody, but through creation. You can't say it just happened because nothing just happened. Nothing. It also sounds like, Terry, what you just read there. And by the way, I hope just hearing, hearing Terry, who's... He's, he's, you know, you're, you're, you're a few years older than me. Just, there's something about hearing someone who's older than you read God's word. It should stir your heart. And it definitely does me. But, uh, but anyway, it kind of, Paul kind of answers the question about, well, what, what does God do for those he's not predestined? It sounds like he's chosen to breathe that life, to go back to the Ephesians 2 image, the, the ones who were dead in the morgue. He's chosen to give that grace to some and to others well, it's almost like he's doing nothing, and he's just giving them up to their own desires. Yeah, let them go on their own yeah. and see what happens. So he's choosing to intervene in the ones he's saved. Uh-huh. And he's also, by definition, choosing not to intervene in others. And mm-hmm. we don't know why God's done that, No, but that's God's business. Yeah, it is. Because if it's our business, then it's all nebulous. I mean, this, yeah. is, this is God's business. Yeah. yeah. And so he just gave them up to these desires. And so yeah. we see that in our culture. They're just... Our culture is, and culture from time immemorial has always been about desire. Even the original with Cain, God says, hey, he's knocking at the door. Hey, sin wants to master you. Yes, it it wants to have at you, Cain. That's right, yeah. I mean, the first biblical counseling session was between God and Cain of all people. And 
it's always been that way. Mm -hmm. the, the, the lust of the flesh and the desires. So God chooses in his election, it sounds like, Terry, to give some grace and to the rest... He, he gives, gives them up to their desires. Yeah, which he does here in Romans chapter That's 1. That's right. I'm so glad you and read that And we see us. that, too. We see that in, in our culture today. So landing the plane here, Terry, you, you, you've walked us through the basics of, of, of divine election, predestination, the idea of you were dead in your sins, pivotal, pivotal salvation theology, how are we landing the plane? What, what's something you want our listeners to take home? What, what's some hope they can have? Well, understand this. All of us understand that we're holding tough cards as human beings. We're fallen. Hmm. But the fact of the matter is, God has called some out for glory. And the ones he's called, they're going to make it. I mean, Absolutely. God preserves Absolutely. us. So understand this. It's not up to you. It's up to God. So carry on with that thought and you'll be fine. What a pleasure this has been. This is some hard theology, but yes, it is. you made it easier for us, Edgy Elder. I'm very happy for this conversation. I know we're all blessed. This has been Masterclass Theology from the Book of Romans and Ephesians, looking at Paul. Have a great day, and God bless. Amen, brother. And you increase me, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> Thank you, Joel. This has been Masterclass Theology. I pray you've been challenged and encouraged during today's episode, and I hope you'll continue to join us as we journey through the Bible. God bless.